Your hosts, The Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. If you have any correspondence or inquiries for the WIBR Warren Radio Network, you can send them through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Be sure to follow the WIBR Warren Radio on Twitter by using hashtag WatchmanIS216 or hashtag Warren Radio. On LinkedIn, you can find us by hashtag Watchman. You can join us on USA.life or MeWe by using hashtag Warren Radio. And the WIBR Warren Radio is on two new social sites, Parlor and Clout Club. You can listen to our show through the following carriers, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Attic, CastBox, Google Podcast, Anchor, Podchaser, and Deezer. I want to take I want to admonish you to take time to listen to the to read the articles by the Watchmen. They apply to this day and age we're living in. They will help you in your walk in these last days. The two we feature this week are Rebellion or mercy, the path well worn. There is a path well worn, and it has been traveled since the first beginnings of man on the earth. And manifest deliverance, present evil world. There is a manifest deliverance from this present evil world. There is a path, a way, a light, and a plain path for all to find this deliverance. And now I welcome in the Watchman. You're listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com and also follow us on Twitter find us on Instagram and join us on LinkedIn Greetings Dana, how are you doing tonight? Well I'm doing good here we are again. We are on the 8th of uh, July. It's getting hot around here. 
lot of stuff is going on. And uh, surprise, surprise. It's never ending. Every like, day we wake up to something new and different. And I mean, do you realize we're in the seventh month of I know. 2020? I was looking at a calendar today and thinking, I can't believe we're already halfway plus past, you know, the middle of the year. Halfway through the year. Yeah. Well, uh, on some of the news we're going to begin with tonight is on uh, Pakistan persecution. And the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom is one of those uh, uh, particular uh, things that uh, targets religious liberty, those who are violators. And Tower and I have had a lot of uh, stories uh, and news uh, on Pakistan and persecution of Christians. Uh, one of the most uh, famous, of course, is Asiya Bibi. But right. the thing of it is, although uh, she was released, it was nine years after she was first falsely uh, accused and convicted. And uh, she faced a lot of hero um, perilous times. And so she's with her family somewhere in the world. And and we don't really, uh, although uh, we know pretty much where she's at, we don't give her much news because we don't want anybody to to find out because uh, she deserves some peace and quiet now after the thing she went oh, through. Oh, yes, she does. But she did write a book, so you're going to find her anyway, you know. Um, uh, at least uh, she was writing it. I haven't seen much more, but she was. Now, when we're talking about... Um, violators of religious liberty um, you know Pakistan is an ongoing violator of religious liberty they are um, although we see in recent years with the Sia Bibi and others that they do let some of these people go and in Asiya's case they overthrew the conviction. Uh, which was really something else because there was a lot of people calling for her death. Uh, and, and that's where you have all these Muslims over there following uh, uh, Sharia law. And uh, the thing of it is, she wasn't guilty of it, so she shouldn't have died, uh, you know, or been anything. So at any rate, um, with Pakistan being a majority Muslim com uh, country, of course, blasphemy is right on the on the top list which can easily ensnare Christians because if you're just talking about who the true God is you're in trouble and then when you talk about the Savior you can be in trouble <coughs> and uh, you know the the account here the United States Commission on International Religious Rights detail 80 individuals that's been unjustly imprisoned and more than half of those are facing the death penalty penalty but we knew at the time um, after after Asiya Bibi was released there was more news out from um, other people who had been released and other people um, that were familiar with it and said there's another there's 350 or so more Asiya Bibis in prison yeah I and, remember that and so um, they have a figure of 80 you know that there's a lot more figures than that that details that it's a lot worse. 
Um, but the acquittal of, uh, of Asiya Bibi and her being a Christian was very, very important. And uh, the, the good thing of it is, is that this particular organization, and uh, the United States monitors these, and President Trump has uh, done uh, quite a bit in bringing this to the forefront, talking to people, and setting up a commission to monitor this kind of stuff. And the commission is proposing that the State Department enter into a binding agreement with Pakistan under the International Religious Freedom Act, which will provide a roadmap on how the country can take meaningful steps to address religious freedom with defined benchmarks. And of course, this means that Pakistan would have to review all blasphemy cases and you know there's a lot of real radical uh, Muslims in uh, Pakistan so I don't know if they could even do that because these people um, would fight and they would kill others I mean especially their leaders so there is problems here but the biggest thing of it is you have to monitor uh, this religious freedom and you need to hold people accountable. But That's the only right. only thing that we never held accountable was what China was doing. And especially it really kicked up when they closed down the early rain covenant church. And they threw their pastor, Wang Yi, into prison and uh, took one of their um, uh, deacons, their elders, that was helping him and put him in prison. And, you know tore down the church and sent everybody packing and told them not to go to a church again and they've been doing this to a lot of them and yet we have had more trade with China than any other nation Walmart practically made uh, China rich because of all the all the stuff she sold and of course you can say that this is not just Walmart's fault because Americans are buying the Chinese goods and it, it really wasn't until Trump started talking about the fact that all of our medicines come out of China. That shocked me. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So. I don't think that. I don't think that's a good thing either. No, I don't either. So at any rate, there are things that has to be taken care of uh, and has to be addressed in all of this, because China needs to be held accountable for what she's doing, but. You look at what's happening with her now taking over Hong Kong, and it's a mess. So uh, there's a lot of issues here that uh, isn't doesn't bode well. In our news shorts, uh, Somali violence and death is up front. Um, seven people have died in two separate bomb attacks in southern and central Somalia. Well, you know very well that Somalia have been trying to take care of some peace, try to get peace in the place. It's always tried to do that, but it's had problems. In the first incident that they had, uh, bombs were planted in front of a, in the house of a military official, and it killed four people, including soldiers and civilians. No one claimed uh, <coughs> responsibility. Well, that's kind of surprising because they're always proud of their work when they do that. Well, they do. And uh, we're looking at al-Shabaab in Somalia. And, of course, uh, the war now has been going on for 12 years. But wow. 
you know, whenever you put all this together, you know, it's almost impossible to find peace with these people. But, uh, you know, Sudan was in a war, and then they had gotten some peace. They went back to war, and now they're trying to get a peace together. I mean, all, all these things are just up and down all the time. I mean, uh, you know, and, and that reminds me that uh, on the news today there was a bunch of uh, uh, people that uh, had been uh, claiming that America needs to give them Texas. That's and it was a black militant group, and you can liken them unto Al-Shabaab or Boko Haram. Uh, they're black. Uh, most of them uh, originally are uh, Muslim, Islamic. Uh, they fight. And, uh, and, of course, you know, we have our own type of terrorists. And, of course, there was another group a long time ago, the same type of a group, who were made up of former military and others, uh, and they were black as well, who were going to start assassinating cops. There's been a lot of cops assassinated in the last few years. Yes. And so the, in, in America, we've got our own problems with these uh, these kind of individuals. But when you get on over into the other thing, into Somalia, it's hard for them to fight it. It's hard for Nigeria to fight it uh, because they have... Uh, um, the Fulani, they have Boko Haram, and they got a little offshoot of ISIS there as well. Now, see, most of the problem in the United States is because we've got liberals who who don't want to crack down. We've got a divided country that's wishy-washy. We've got the greatest military on earth, and yet we have uh, we had a stint here of almost a month where they're tearing up our inner cities. Uh, and if it would have been left up to me, if I would have been the president, I would have declared martial law in the United States. I would have sent in the troops, and I would have arrested everybody, thrown in them, thrown them in camps. And if people wanted to riot, I mean, wanted to protest peaceably, I'd tell them what to do. I wouldn't allow them to just walk on a four-lane freeway just because they think they can. I would clear them off. I would throw their butts in a camp, and I'd keep them there, and I would, uh, you know, I'd get tough with them. And, well, yeah, uh, they're acting like, like you said earlier today, spoiled brats who throw in a tantrum that they can't have their way. Well, I think you not need to take them out and spank them if they're going to act like that. They probably but, didn't get spanked enough when they were growing up. Well, you know, but my viewpoints are probably more than likely a little bit extreme but I don't count it extreme you know I mean it comes down to the fact these people are openly calling for the downthrow of the United States we've got Ilian Omar doing the same thing and there's others with her and those people need to be removed from Congress they need to be totally uh, removed they need to be uh, questioned and if they have truly violent tendencies, they need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law because they are part of our lawmaking body in the House of Representatives. Yeah, and you know what I think about Ilian Omar? She came here to cause trouble. She became an American citizen. They ought to strip her of that and send her back to Somalia for all the trouble she's causing and, and dissension and hatred towards America. She's trying to tear down this country and she openly admits that or says that. She does. 
But to see the thing of it is, is because we're facing the ultra-liberal Democrats who virtually seem to want to tear down America, we've got a real problem here in America. So, uh, you know, while we're talking about persecution around the world, America itself, you know, is if, if it doesn't wake up and take care of the situation, uh, I wouldn't have any problem doing it if I was in charge. But if you get into New York City and see what uh, de Blasio's doing, along with Cuomo, who ha- who doesn't do anything to interfere, it's abso- absolutely ludicrous. Uh, you take uh, Chicago, another liberal mayor, um, you have a lot of these cities that, uh, you know, they're following the chant of a lot of the mo- protesters, defund the police, get rid of them. But see, that's Marxist. And the reason it's Marxist is to remove and destroy the systems in place in place when you get rid of all the cops on the street then you can further the attempt to bring it down and then eventually when they cry for someone to to stop it then they'll bring in their own police their own marxist uh, sharia police and the next thing you know they're going to be taken down the government this is the way marxism works and uh too bad the democrats are, are too either too stupid too blind or too stubborn to deal with the situation, but because we're divided, because we have this house of cards now, built upon lies, built upon division, built upon everything, everybody wants their own thing, nobody wants to listen, you got a lot of problem. Um, you know, this week, while we're talking about problem, Chinese, uh, the Chinese government has come up quite a bit with uh, Trump and and even Pompano talking about uh, their, the removal of TikTok and uh, how the Chinese government has been able to track a lot of the things that's in America. World Net Daily uh, threw together uh, an article. The other one on Somalia came from persecution.org. But uh, the communists and communist uh, China, uh, as we have noted... Um, have, are in the process right now of absolutely controlling the Christian church where they can't do anything. And if they were to destroy it, it wouldn't bother them a bit. And of course, even though they, they, they say, well, Christians can still be in their churches, they just have to be registered and approved, there is a problem with it because they require uh, within uh, those churches... Uh, that they have to have a committee, and that committee approves everything they do. But on that committee, uh, usually government agents wind up, and even though they try to vote them out, they're still voted in, and this is how uh, the government uh, is able to find out everything they do. And uh, so uh, the big problem that we, um, we have is that you have China that is growing, and uh, the year 2000 was declared as the year, the decade that uh, China was going to grow and become a world power. When I was growing up, I was warned about that unequivocally, and it was warned to me in a language that you may not hear much, um, and it was the rule of the yellow people and the sign of the uh, sign of the dragon. And uh, that's not me talking. That was what I was told at the time. And, of course, that is China. And 
we've seen China come up a lot, and now we're seeing more and more push towards war, more and more things happening all the time. And uh, so now China has lots of money because thanks to uh, our economy and buying everything. But see, a lot of them, even in America, still don't like us uh, parting from China because there's a lot of them that trust China. Uh, and that's stupid. You, you don't trust China. Now, there's a lot of good Chinese over there, but the government of communists, you can't trust because they're enemy. for communism. Yeah, they are the enemy. They are not your friend. Red China. Yeah, Red China. That growing up. Yes, and, and we're of that generation. One of the last things my dad told me, but he's passed on now, and he says, you know, uh, Red China is not our friend. And he's right. And he's right. Uh, his generation knew it. Uh, the unfortunate thing of it is, is that we've been lulled to sleep by the kind of uh, uh, relationships we've had. But uh, they did have a place of freedom where churches could grow, but they've stopped all that under the present, uh, present uh, premier over there. Uh, and the increase of communism, and one of the reasons they did is because the increase of Christianity, it blew through the roof and they couldn't control it. So they, they're actually, at one time, we were reporting on this years ago, that there were more Christians in China than communists. And so this is really, this is the one reason they started persecuting them. But it's also the reason Iran started persecuting Christians is because a lot of former Muslim, a lot of Muslims, uh, were becoming Christians. And uh, I remember quoting the Ayatollah over there who who said as much that there was too many Christians, too many Muslims becoming Christians, and they needed to stop it. And so the, these are the kind of things we find around the world. And in America, it's not any different. There are enemies of the gospel, there's enemies of freedom, and in America we have them from stem to stern. We have radical Muslims, we have, we have radical groups like Boko Haram and others that just soon shoot you as look at you. And with this latest escapade of rioting and burning, uh, Americans got a taste of an America that's fallen if someone doesn't do something. That's right. And something must be done. So if your governor, your mayor is not doing what he should be doing in that city to protect your people, if your city councils are calling for removal of the police, then you need to vote them turkeys out, make note of them, get, get together, and you need to vote the mayor out, the governor out, and the city councils in all your cities so you can put the police back and you can get some stuff. And, and I've heard more voices, and, and it's been from the communities like the black community in Harlem and others that are saying, if you remove the police, more of us are going to die. They're right. And they're right, yes. And I've heard this from a lot of people, and I've been tracking a lot of this. This is, this is ridiculous. And it's stupid that New York... And I read today that New York was dismantling another uh, division of their investigative units. So, boy, that's not that's not a good thing at all. And there was some other um, I forgot how many there was. What was it? Three hundred and some. It was up there somewhere. Two to three hundred. 
somewhere in there are, are retiring this year. Yeah, something like that. And there's no more officers, no more uh, police candidates in the police school. There's no more in, in uh, that that are going to be coming up to the ranks because they don't have it. There's no school because there's no candidates, and they're not going to fund that anyway. So they're serious with defunding the police, which is the biggest monumental mistake you could do in America. Oh, yes. It'll bring total lawlessness. And this is what the Marxists want. And make no mistake, no president is going to take care of this. If you don't take care of this now, you're going to lose your country. You need to vote and vote smart. And I'm going to tell you right now, Biden in the basement as a Democrat is not the answer. You need someone tougher than that. It's too bad the Democrats don't put up someone that that's better than uh, Biden. But Biden is 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 not one to do it. Oh no, he's he does not have the wherewithal anymore to take care of any of this stuff going on. No, I don't think he does either. Well, at any rate, we're moving on. We're going to be talking about Uganda. Okay. Are you ready? <clears throat> yes, this story is about uh, the per- persecution of believers in Uganda. It comes to us from Morningstar News. And this is about a former sheikh, a Muslim teacher, in eastern Uganda who had become a Christian on Christmas Day. He did this secretly. And about a month ago, he, he decided to tell his two wives about his new faith. And his name is Olapot, and he invited the pastor to his house on uh, the evening of May 14th so that he could, um, so the pastor could explain to his wives about being Christian. And he then. Um, he called on the pastor, you know, so that he, they could lead the family to Christ. And his one of his wives put her faith in Christ as Lord and Savior, and the other declined. And about three weeks later, she left and told a Muslim leader of the family's conversion. And in, this included the three children. And the Muslim leader then told other Muslims about their sheikh, how he'd left Islam. And so around June 8th, the um, Muslim villagers surrounded Olapot's house at 11.30 at night and set it ablaze. And he escaped with his wife and three children, and they're aged 12, or 14, 12, and 10, they were able to flee through a back door, and unfortunately, as they were fleeing, the attackers managed to get a hold of his wife and beat her with sticks. They injured her left hand, her back, and her right leg, but uh, thank God his Christian neighbors rescued her, and he said, as we were fleeing, I heard one of the Muslims calling out that the house should be completely destroyed. And his wife was in stable conditions, af- conditions after the neighbors rushed her to a hospital. And he and his family have taken refuge in the home of another pastor while she continues to undergo treatment. And on another story, um, this man in the same district where Olapot is, 
on um, May 25th, this Badawayi, he's 27, he was beat because he converted to Christianity and his home was burned for him refusing to renounce Christ. He's 27 and the Muslims knocked at his door at 7 p.m. and he refused to open. They then destroyed the door and made entry, but he escaped through the rear door. They followed him and got a hold of him and began beating him up. And neighbors came when he screamed for help. And the neighbor took him to a nearby medical clinic. And as he was being treated, the same Muslims returned to his house and set it on fire. And Badawai, I'm not sure how to say his name, Badawai, said he came to faith on August 4, 2019, after a dream about Christ when he fell asleep during night prayers with other sheikhs and Muslims at a mosque. Excuse me. He said he fell asleep and he had a dream about Jesus, and Jesus told him that he was in the wrong place, and that therefore I was to go and look for his shepherds who will teach him teach me all his holy words, then after le- le- learning, go and preach those words to others. And um, also during the dream, he heard people shouting hallelujah and so he started repeating hallelujah and the sheiks and other Muslims who heard heard him shouting were very astonished and one came and asked him why he was shouting how that hallelujah and he answered I have seen Jesus and he called and as he and the um, as the other sheik called others to come and hear he said I jumped out and took off since it was night they couldn't find me he went to a pastor who prayed for him and he put his faith in Christ and so that's what's going on in Uganda people are becoming Christians they're converting and they know that Jesus is the way he is the truth and we need to really lift up our brothers and sisters in Uganda well, you know, that's a great story. It is. I like it. It's hard to believe. Yes, it is. It's exciting to see them coming to Christ, though. And we do see a lot of stuff like that. Yep, and we see a lot of these men losing their families because of converting to Christ, and the wife will take off with the children. Well, you know, that's true. And, uh, you know, there's such a difference between faith in America as a Christian and faith overseas. But it's the same Lord and the same Savior. It's, It's amazing because they know when they accept Christ what they're going to face they're going to face this persecution and so you know that God's really got a hold of their heart and that they know the true and living God well you know one of one of the things and I'm moving on here uh, when we get into Matthew 24 Mark 13 Luke 21 you know, we find that there's a lot of signs about the end of days. And one of those 
is plagues and pestilences. When we have something like a plague, or even a pestilence, you know, they can be detrimental, especially in the third world. Oh, yes. In Pakistan, they're talking about locusts. And we first talked about locusts, and of course it was coming into Africa. And it was last year. Um, and uh, Or maybe earlier this year. Yeah, it could have been. And, and we're still going to report, we still got a report coming out of Ethiopia tonight. But, uh, uh, you know, there was talk that these swarms were heading towards uh, Russia at the time. And Russia wasn't concerned at the time they came out and addressed it. Saying I thought that, that was China. No, it was, it, it, it was Russia, I thought. But at any okay, rate, uh, it could have been China. Um, but at any rate, if it's going to go into China, it's going to go into Russia. Yeah. Because they're all related. These locusts ain't just going to automatically go to China. But this one here... Well, um, they have a road map, Dana. Oh, do they? Yeah, they do. Those locusts have a road map, and they say China's next, then Russia. No, it's food. That's what they follow. <laughs> it's food. I know. And, of course... Um, their National Disaster Management Authority, this is in Islamabad, Pakistan, was warning that the local swarms were in 43 districts of the, of the country. Oh, that's horrible. And, uh, you know, so it, uh, overall they have over 6,230,000 hectares of wow. area that has been sprayed so far because of them. But uh, the locusts have also engulfed several cities as well and of course when they when they take over or engulf them i mean you look at the pictures of these it just uh almost like a dust storm that you see uh, in the desert of arabia or something and it's just dark and brown and you know you can't see these locusts wings flapping everywhere a noise you know and this is the picture of joel about his devouring army uh, and uh, you know you read about all the locusts that he talks about and how they devoured absolutely everything and uh, it, it is just something else when you have these things come in you can't get rid of them you can't uh, really do much when they take it over that's frightening and so they're eating up the lentils and beans if you know anything about this part of the area that's one of the main staples which means that there's uh, a real problem here, you know. And the swarms of locusts are, are so dangerous that aircrafts, uh, you know, are going to be in trouble because all the locusts get in the engine. And not to mention the fact the pilots can't see where they're going. Boy, that's scary. Yeah, and so... You know, we haven't seen all the stuff in it. Uh, and then, of course, this local swarm that they were talking about, and this comes from Mission Network News on Pakistan. In this particular swarm that they're talking about, Pakistan, is one of the biggest that they've had in more than 30 years. And the biggest problem they have is you have the COVID crisis. You already have people that aren't working. People that need help with food, 
people that need help uh, getting well. And then you have the locusts. It just puts one on top of another. And, um, and of course, in this story, the whole thing leads to the fact, and this is, we know this is true because we've covered this before, uh, down in India, many, many years ago, we were covering a lot of stuff, and they were having floods and stuff, and the Christians were telling us that the government wouldn't give them the aid. And here, uh, they quote uh, the workers and the people in the field, and the Christians were told, unless you become a Muslim, or unless you recite the Muslim creed, we're not going to help you. And uh, they said, we don't think that's official government policy, but it's been happening. And we've had many, many reports of that. So in other words, the Christians don't give help. And now, see, it's not just in this story, but we've found this time and time and time and time again. And yep. uh, so uh, this, is, this is a real issue here. And this is where, when you see this, you really think of the end of days. When you have those kind of plagues, and they affect your food supply, and then you also have this particular sickness, which is like a plague itself, the COVID, and nobody's working, nobody's making any money, there's no insurance, there's no bailout like we did in the United States, there's nothing. Yeah. Now, see, when we get over in Ethiopia then, and there's a story about that, and uh, this comes from a story with World Mission, and it came via Mission Network News, because they have a lot of these various missions that are riding on here. And they list that drought, flooding, and locusts have plagued Ethiopia for months. Well, Ethiopia has had just a long history of famines. And, of course, in Ethiopia, there were always warring tribes. There's, they were always fighting. And uh, they say, now, when you reach June, or the, ha- uh, the later part of it, your locusts begin their migration. And uh, so, where are they going to migrate to? Well, they leave the Ethiopian and others in the region devastated by continued food so- uh, shortages, and they move on to find other crops. So they actually threaten uh, a larger area, and the, the swarms are so big it can they can cover a kilometer of land. And they can devour the same amount of food as 35,000 people consume. Wow. They can do that in one day. Wow. Can you believe that? That's it. 35,000 people that eat, and this swarm can do that in one day. Wow. Now, Greg Kelly, who happens to be with World Mission, and this is a group, you can find them at worldmission.cc. And he says, our church planners are actually seeing more receptivity to the gospel among people groups like the Somali and the Afar, which are the two largest unreached people groups in the country. 
And so from that standpoint, there's a tremendous opportunity. And of course, the workers live among the people groups. And uh, so the biggest thing of it is, is these people that they're dealing with have lost crops. They struggle to feed their animals and they need their animals. Um, and so what do they do? You minister to the physical need. You help them with these things. And of course, this is what Samaritan's Purse does. This is what uh, uh, Bibles for the Mideast does, even though they, they give a lot of Bibles away. Uh, during the COVID thing, they were giving packages of food to people to help them. And this w was in some of the hardest areas where persecution was. They were doing this. Um, Pakistan and India and stuff. So these are the kind of things that we call biblical, we call end of days when we see so much of this. And you look at this tower, and, and I mean, just look at America. You know, uh, we had the eclipse, which uh, divided America. That was in August of twenty, or yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, and before that, we had the two, uh, the double uh, blood moons on uh, for 2014, 2015. <coughs> and of course, that was a sign and uh, revealed uh, the blood, the bloodletting of uh, ISIS moving through the Middle East. The 2017 eclipse revealed. A, that there was coming, going to be revealed in America, the division that was already there, but it's going to show you how big it really was, and that happened, and it's still going on right now. We've had uh, uh, one of the world's best economies in every way, every people group, everything, top numbers from uh, the Trump administration, then overnight everything fell. Uh, overnight we had COVID. Overnight we started having people destroy America, burning our inner cities, and so, uh, and then you see this worldwide going on too. So, folks, when we talk about the end of days, you can look at this. You can say you got to be blind to think that this isn't the end of days. And so, the next stop is waiting for the dark one, and the dark one will come. And the question of it is, is how far away is he? And of course, there's when you start talking about that, you wind up with uh, a lot of different. Uh, Theologi uh, theological discussions from various viewpoints and denominational things. I don't get into that. I could care less. And I don't discuss uh, the rapture. I don't discuss all, discuss all this stuff. Um, I know when this thing happens. I know when it happens. I know how long we got when it does happen. Uh, and we're not there yet. And so... I would say, beyond equivocally, Tower, as far as I'm concerned, wouldn't you, that we are definitely in the last days? Oh, I've believed that for years, that we are yeah. in the last of the last days. Well, the apostles thought they were in the last days, too, when they were walking there. Well, I'm glad you're bringing that up, because we've talked about that before. You know, I read a story the other day, and, and the guy was asking, I think it was a preacher, uh, or writing an article or something, I see so many of these things. And uh, he was talking about, is this the last days? He, it was a lead into a story, you know. 
well, see, or how far away is it? You know, well, see, the last days, as Tower says, the apostles considered that the last days. It does say in these last days, you know, God did send forth his son. That was the last days in that particular point. But we are in the last of the last days. Yes, that's what I believe. And we are not, you know, in the great tribulation yet. Well, you can find people that will tell you that we are. We're not. And most people, when talking about the tribulation, consider it to be seven years long. I don't consider that. There's no proof of that in Scripture anywhere, except for the 70th week of Daniel, which in my book is, is not enough proof at all. And I think it's very clear uh, that uh, from the year 2000 on, we've been having birth pangs, and the end of the last days, the end of the end of days, uh, arrived about the year 2000, in the beginning of it and we still got that today we're still suffering from that uh, and th- there's nothing in scripture that tells you how long the pre-tribulation or troubles are going to be it says in the world you will have tribulation but then there is going to be the one sign point and that's the rise of the dark one in uh, Revelation 13 and we know from that point on there's three and a half years left before the Lord comes so that's what we're looking for but I want to add something you said um, you're going to have tribulation and he, and Christ said but be of good cheer I have overcome the world that's right <clears throat> yep that's right so at any rate hang in there folks you think you got it bad in America you could be living in Somalia Pakistan India China North Korea North Korea yeah I was going to say North Korea sorry no that's okay but in America, we're not used to this. We're not used to this kind of thing. And people are upset. People are bothered. They don't like seeing uh, what's happening in this country and seeing the lawlessness going on. People people don't like that. No. And this is going to affect the way people vote. And it caught, it caught America off guard, I'll tell you. So you just pay attention. And there's also another thing here. President Trump and Barr... They've got. A, they still got time till the end of this year, even if he gets voted out, to uh, prosecute some people for the way that they're they've been handling stuff. So make no mistake about it. The prosecute, uh, prosecuting of uh, people that that have caused trouble in this country can go forward. They're already doing it. Good. So that's good. So with that, we want to talk about another story, and Towers got that. It's called Asian Child Brides. We talk about this a lot because it is such a problem, and we always want to highlight this. It's horrific. Yeah. It's just gut wrenching. These young children. It affects boys and girls, and um, it says this story comes to us from. MNOnline.org That's Mission Network News. Okay, thank you. South Asia. Picture a little girl from rural South Asia. A six or seven year old from Pakistan, India, or Bangladesh. Instead of starting school, David Lovett of Operation Mobilization USA says she and other little girls like her only have a few years left to enjoy childhood. Then comes marriage, often to a man old enough to be their dad or grandpa. 
especially in rural areas with high illiteracy. Young girls, some even as young as 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, have been married to older men. In Bangladesh, some something like 22% of young girls are being married before they are 15 years of age. And according to UNICEF, South Asia leads the world in child marriages. And this child marriages affects both boys and girls globally, but it affects girls disproportionately. And child marriages often violate children's rights and place them at high risk of violence, exploitation, and abuse. India has the largest number of brides in the world, one-third of the global total. Bangladesh has the highest rate of child marriages in Asia, the fourth highest rate in the world. And Nepal also has one of the highest rates of child marriages in Asia for both boys and girls. And um, UNICEF officials say the economic side effects of coronavirus restriction will likely drive families deeper into poverty, putting an estimated 600 million children at risk of exploitation. And, of course, you know, desperate times lead to desperate measures. And if, if a family member cannot produce an income, they become expendable. In one of these countries, if you're a young child, five, six, or seven years old, you're already rolling cigarettes by hand for up to seven hours a day for about a dollar a day. You cannot and do not attend a local school because your parents are illiterate and they don't see the value of school. If you miss grades one, two, or three, you can never attend a primary school there. And so this circumstances like this make it even more difficult for young girls. And if you're looking at how you can have less of an economic burden, girls that are younger are easier to get married off in that part of the world. The resulting conception and a birth of a child introduces new problems. The challenges is just so huge, and we're seeking to build awareness, Lovett said. So much of the rest of the world doesn't hear or know about this. And that's a fact. They don't. They, I think that sometimes the world chooses to be, to um, have a deaf ear to this kind of stuff going on. Well, you know, they do. And uh, I remember doing articles about this before in, uh, in our shows that we did. And we talked about the fact that you get in a poor family and they uh, sell the daughter in order to get money because they're starving. And I've, I've heard of them selling daughters into sex slavery. Yeah. Well, you know, the, one of the biggest things that I see uh, that we've talked about uh, before, and that's the fact that sometimes they'll even send uh, them to a job somewhere and that turns into sex slavery and people even adult adult women can't even get caught up in that trying to pay for that because they get caught up with gangs yes. so, so the trafficking of people human beings and women for sex and men too 
uh, is is a problem. And a lot of times if you're going to another country and you just get anybody to help you and you get indebted to them for 3000 to get you there, you become their slave till you pay it off. And they will make you do whatever, whatever uh, they want you to do. And if you don't do it, they'll kill you. Uh, so the need to stay alive makes you whatever they want. That's right. And this is bull, to put it bluntly. There's no way we should be forcing people to do that. Now, there is a movie, uh, a movie starlet, uh, a woman who for years has been rescuing uh girls out of that kind of thing. You and I talked about her not too long ago. Oh, I can Is it Daryl Hannah? I think that's who it is. Yeah. 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 I don't know if she's still involved in that or not. But I don't she either. She was for a lot of years. Well, I think she is. Wasn't she also named uh, uh, some kind of an advocate for the UN, something or other? There was an agency. I'm not sure. I, you know, I haven't seen her in the news for a long time, but you know, when we get into trafficking and child brides and a lot of these things, this goes back in tradition. This goes back in history. And it's not a good thing, especially when you get in America and our daughters and our, our sons, too, have a lot more rights. And they don't know anything about this kind of thing because they've been free. But the thing that would scare you, that is, even in America, we have child sex rings. We have adult sex rings where they have women that are sold into sexual slavery. We've got that in America. And we've got it to where you have foreigners who bring their people over and subject them to things and make them into these prostitutes. And they make money. And that's the way they live and survive. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, and it shouldn't be going on. I mean, if... like that. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine anybody that would avail themselves of this kind of a service. You know, these people need to be... There is something they need to be done to, but I'm not at liberty to say. But uh, it's... You know, needless to say, we're not going to give them an award. No. So tonight we talked about a number of things tonight. We talked about Pakistan and Christian religious freedom. We talked about the violence in Somalia. We talked about China and the church in China. We talked about what was going on in Uganda. And we haven't heard a lot from Uganda Towers. So this is really kind of unusual that we actually found something from Uganda. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we talked about the plagues in Pakistan, the plagues in Ethiopia, and how they're affecting the regions along with COVID. And then, of course, we have the Asian child brides, which when we talk about Asia, we're not just talking about China. Asia is a big place. It encompasses a big region. And you might know it, Asia is very, very populated. So these kind of uh, citizens from Asia 
can find themselves oppressed because they fall through the cracks and they're oppressed and nobody does anything. Oh, it's sad. So if you're an American living in America and you're upset with the way things are going, pray for the persecuted church. Pray for those who are in, in, in slavery of all kinds. You know, slavery is bandied about today. Uh, and of course, you got blacks today that want reparations for this. There was reparations. They're always talking about reparations, and uh, and so you can't talk to these people. They're radical, but there are real people in real slavery situations, and they're the ones you need to pray for. They're the ones that you need to help those who are trying to get them out of those situations. If you think you have it bad now, try living over there. You know, I seen a, uh, a little video, and I, I think I put it on our chat. And it was an Asian woman. It looked like she was from China. And she says, all you people that are doing all the riot, uh, rioting and burning down America because you don't like it, you know, you don't know what it's like to live in a country that has been truly oppressed. Go live in China for a while, and then you'll know what it's like to be oppressed. That's right. She says, you're not oppressed now. You know, and it was just a very good video. And with that, we're going to have to get out of here, Tower. Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us whenever you do. We love you. We pray for you. Please pray for your persecuted brothers and sisters and help where you can. We thank you for all you do for the King. Good night, everybody. We thank you for joining us. Be sure to go by our websites, warn-usa.com, danaglennsmith.com. You can listen to the shows on our websites, and on warn-usa, you can download them, too. We have a little article or story with each thing that we post. We also have in-depth uh, articles that you can read. We're on a lot of uh, social sites. Check us out. Our most recent one, of course, is Parlor. Everybody's going to Parlor. You'll find us over there at Warren Radio. And so check us out tomorrow night. We'll have another show and a show on Friday. So until next time, uh, God bless. Good night. Take care of yourselves and be safe. Look to the Lord because He's the one, the only one who can get you through this. For the Lord is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Shalom. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.